Welcome to the Guardians of Grace podcast. Relax, you have found the right place. We're here to serve. Join us, holding to pure grace. Again, relax, join in with us. Listen on, be blessed. We're, we're on to chapter two, and I'll let Bill almost introduce us, but just say we're Hello again. We're coming into the second part of the chapter, and we'll we'll continue where we left off. There, I said it for you. We're back again, even though we actually didn't leave. <laughs> yes, yes. Okay, so where were we? Okay, so there's therefore Romans 8, now no condemnation for the law of the spirit of the life in Christ has set me free, release me from the law of sin and death. From having a standard to keep in my human effort and failing to keep it prazo, <laughs> habitually practicing what I'm trying not to do, I'm released from that. I don't have to be on that treadmill anymore. The law of the spirit of the life in Christ has released me and you, and everyone out there, and everyone out there that doesn't even know about this has actually been released from it. Yes, and I just want to point out that right here in Romans 8, 2 and following, 8, 1 and following, we are talking about a law of dynamics, like the law of gravity, the law of gravity of the life lived in the spirit of Christ, that law of gravity sets you free from the other law of dynamics where you are in your own human strength and sophistication and you're sinning and feeling naked and ashamed. That's a law of gravity when you're in your own human nature, then it's consistent. You will fall like the law of gravity. You will sin and you will feel condemned. condemned. That's like, true. Like it says in James, let no one deceive you. God does not tempt you to sin, nor does God tempt anybody to sin, but you are literally fish hooked and dragged away by your sin, and when sin is conceived, it gives birth to death, telling us the exact same thing. When we're in our human nature, sin fish hooks us and drags us away. It's just like a law of gravity. It's like a bait you can't resist, but every time you get hooked by it, you sin, and then you feel naked and ashamed. A law that is... So why is a law a law? Because it's 100% true every single See. time. Makes me feel like getting out the brick and dropping it on your foot again. Oh, we don't have to do that. Oh, we don't have to do it's that. It's a very good visual of when you screamed out loud. And yeah, yeah, yeah. Got it. But in the same way, the law of gravity is consistent, but so is the law of aerodynamics which is what lift, drag, or thrust, lift, drag. Thrust, lift, drag. Yeah. What puts an airplane in flight 
is called the law of aerodynamics. It works every time. And what causes a Christian to walk holy and blameless, the exemplary life that he so desperately wants to? The law of the spirit of the life in Christ overcomes this case it's not the law of gravity it's called the law of the sin and the death yes that consistent principle that keeps you prazoing the good that you no prazoing the evil that you want to avoid and never poeoing not a single time the good that you want to do it's a consistent principle it can't be overcome is that the law of sin and death the law of sin and death yeah. is a consistent principle yeah. that cannot be overcome any more than me running down the street, flapping my arms. Is going to make you fly. Yeah. Right. Bet on me failing. Sure thing. And bet on you failing if you're humanly trying to attain the Christian goal. Are you so foolish? Unless you be- get an accountability partner. Yeah. Then you got yeah. a shot. Then, then you got a shot. No. But like it says in Galatians 3, 3, are you so foolish after beginning in the spirit, are you now trying to attain the goal of the Christian life through human effort? He says you're a fool to try and do that. Let me put it this way. After beginning in this law of dynamics, called the spirit of life in Christ Jesus, are you now going to try and attain the goal of the Christian life through the law of dynamics of sin and failure and death? It's not going to change. And it's a law of dynamics that you have to get a grasp on. So it says, so the law of the spirit of the life in Christ has released you from the other law of sin, try and fail. Yes. For what the law could not do, do, weak as it was was through through what? The human nature, nature, the flesh. The flesh was the problem. The flesh was the problem. It can't do it. It's incompatible with living a spirit life. That's why Paul says, "I'm un- the law is what? Spiritual. spiritual. But Paul in his flesh? Unspiritual. Sold? As a s- slave. I to think sin. S- slave, I think, has the connotation of not having any chance of being free. That's saying what the law could not do, weak as it was through the flesh, is the same thing as the writer of Hebrews when he says in Hebrews 8 verse 6 I'm sorry earlier I was thinking it was in chapter 3 but it's 8 verse 6 it it says but now he has obtained a more excellent ministry by as much as he is also the mediator of a better covenant which has been enacted on better promises, which those promises were your sins and lawless deeds I will remember no longer. That's what he promised. But it says it's enacted on better promises, for if that first covenant 
had been faultless, there would have been no need sought for a second covenant. That makes sense. Yes. For finding fault with the people, he says, behold, the days are coming, says the Lord, when I will effect a new covenant with the house of Israel and the house of Judah not like the covenant which I made with their fathers. He says, I'm making a new covenant because I found fault with the people. Their human effort could not allow them to hold their end of the covenant. So So wait a minute. He made a new covenant and he said, you guys keep sinning and that's the problem with the old covenant. So I'm going to make a new covenant where your sins and lawless deeds I remember no more. Well, wait a minute. So a, a, a covenant is between two parties. that They both promise to live up to their end of the agreement. So it was God, one party, and the people. So what was wrong with the first covenant? It was a two-party covenant between God and people, and the people could not hold their end of the bargain because of the human nature. It says, weakened by the flesh. Did they habitually break the covenant? Incessantly, just constantly, all the time. (laughs) That was the fault with the covenant? Yes. Us? Yes. We were the fault with the covenant our inability to to live a sinless life. Well, I always thought that God had the best of intentions on making a new on the original covenant. We just let him down. Yeah, it, it was it a was never to lead us to Christ. That's what he used a, the covenant of the law for, a tutor to lead us to Christ. Well, there's no better way to be led to something that works than been trying without any success at something that doesn't work. And that is what God did. He gave us the old covenant so that we could fail to serve him. That's Never why we, thinking we would keep the covenant. Always knowing we would not keep the covenant. It was all predicted right there in Deuteronomy. Um, he said, you will not keep this covenant. You will abandon me for other idols on and on and on it said you have you're blessed if you keep the covenant and then he said there's blessings and cursings you're blessed if you keep the covenant and cursed if you don't and then it goes on to say you never will keep your end of the covenant i'm telling you now beforehand and then he says so sing the song of miriam i think it is and yeah. they prophesy against yourself. Yeah, they sing this song that's like a chapter and a half long, and it was all about how they would not keep up their end of the covenant because God, when he found fault with the covenant, he found fault with the covenant before the covenant ever started. Knowing they would never keep it. Right. But it was, needing them to know that they could not live apart from Say that again. You just said half of the moral to the story. He needed them to know that apart from him, they could do nothing. Not so they would feel like failures, so they could realize what an unbelievable gift 
they had to live a life completely dependent upon someone, God, who would take care of every need they had and they'd live in the abundant life. The life of God. They would live in it. That is why when you said he knew that they would never keep up their end of the covenant, it was because he wants them to eventually enter that rest. I swore in my wrath that they shall never enter my rest. Although his works had been finished from the foundation of the world, since therefore it remains for some to enter the rest, and he again fixes a certain day, saying today, and then it says, for the one who has entered his rest has himself also rested from his works as God did from his. Let us therefore be diligent to enter that rest, lest any of us fall through following the same example of disobedience. They the same example of disobedience was they were trying to do it themselves under the law. And he says, no, enter the rest. This is what the new covenant is about. You no longer have the burden of the commandments on your shoulders. That's why Jesus said, come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden. I will give you rest. He wants us to rest from all that nonsense. Take every effort. Make every effort. And we don't we can't begin to rest from that nonsense until we realize it is nonsense. It, it's nonsense whenever you hear somebody telling you to rededicate or try harder or get yourself motivated or set up parameters beforehand to do. None of those things work, although they have the appearance of wisdom. They lack says any Colossians one twenty six. The appearance of wisdom. Yeah, they have the appearance of wisdom, but they lack any value of restraining sensual indulgence. Yes, human indulgences. They lack any value. So we rest in the new covenant. That's what the new covenant is for, for us to wait on the Lord, and he will do all that God has planned for Jesus to do through you. Jesus will do. You'll get an A for the day. The day of the Lord. <laughs> the day of the Lord. On the day of the Lord, you will get an A. You don't have to worry about it. It's a foregone conclusion. Quit thinking you don't measure up in God's eyes. You, you just have to quit thinking that. You have to say he made a new covenant and in God's eyes, I do measure up because he made the new covenant with me. Not because I deserved it, but because he made the covenant. You were created in his image. Amen. And you were created to be dependent, which is not a bad thing. That's the way you were created. So you're going to get your ultimate fulfillment by doing what this is. Make every effort to enter that rest. In other words, God put us on this planet to enjoy the planet. And he would take care of the planet, not us. We enjoy all his 
unbelievably magnificent works and we give him the credit for those. Oh, look at the mountain that you, you made. Look at those trees that you made. Look at the fish that you made. Awesome. Look at how you keep me alive so I can enjoy this planet. Let me spread this good news with everybody I know that you're taking care of everything. So back to Romans 8, it says, no condemnation. I hate to call it a principle, but I'm going to. That's principle one, no condemnation. Principle two is the law of the spirit of life in Christ has separated you from the law of sin and death, trying and failing. That's a bona fide law of dynamics, and that's a bona fide indicative statement that said it's true. You can count that as a doctrine. And then... Can we get back to Romans 3 and 4? Sure. 8, 8, 3 and 8, 4. Therefore, there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has set you free from that miserable law of sin and death. For what the Mosaic law could not do, weak as it was through human strength, God did sending his own son in likeness of human strength. And as an offering for sin, he condemned sin in the human nature in order that the requirements of the law might be fully met by us who do not walk according to the human nature's power, but walk according to the Spirit's power. For those who are according to the flesh have their minds set on things of the flesh, but those who are in accordance with the Spirit their mind is controlled by the spirit for the mind controlled by the human nature is death but the mind controlled by the spirit is life and peace because so the first thing it says is he condemned sin in the flesh so that the righteous requirements of the law would be fully met that's one of those things where it says we're Jesus almost throws it into confusion if we misunderstand it. He said, don't think I came to destroy the law and the prophets. It's going to be around forever. Then Paul in Romans 7, he says, don't you know that the law has authority over a person as long as they live? Uh Uh-oh. How am I going to get out from under the law? Well, let's go back to Romans 6. Don't you know that all of us who were baptized into Christ were baptized into his death? Death. We were buried. Buried. We died. We're dead. We paid our sin debt. For he who's died is acquitted from sin. Romans 7. Has paid their sin debt. He who's died has paid his sin debt. So he says in Romans 7... Don't you know that the law has authority over you as long as you are alive? But you died through 
the body of Christ. And there's a lot of hints in Romans 6 about yes. you die through the body of Christ. As our corporate representative. As our corporate identity. One died for all, therefore, therefore all, all died. And if you're dead, you're released from the law. You're released from living by your conscience of what I think is good and what I think I should avoid. You're released from both of those. You're not under no obligation to live by the law. And your natural capacity as well. You're released, released from, from that. human effort. Yes. You're completely released. It never worked. It never will work. You don't even have to try it anymore. Now you get to live by the law of the spirit of the life in Christ, which sets you free from not being able to do what the Spirit does easily. How do we live by this law of the Spirit of the life in Christ? Doesn't it say something about it has to be in abundance? Yes, yes. And th this is so true. Truer words were never penned. It says all the righteous requirements of the law will be filled in us who do not walk according to human strength, but according to the strength of the Spirit. For those who are according, according to the flesh have their minds set on things of the flesh, which is the human nature. Those who are according to the Spirit have their minds set or controlled by the Spirit. For the mind of the flesh is death, but the mind of the spirit is life and peace. Because the mind of the human nature is hostile towards God, for it does not subject itself to the laws of God. It's not even able to do so. And those who are controlled by the human nature cannot please God. However, you are not in the flesh, but in the spirit. If indeed the spirit of God is dwelling comfortably in you or is abundant in you. Yes, is that the it's one? that I pair word, if yeah. in abundance. Yes, if in abundance, meaning if there is more abundance of the spirit than there is of the human nature, nature the spirit. Spirit will manifest itself. You will have your mind controlled by the Spirit. And the Spirit is in abundance. Didn't Jesus promise us abundant life? He said, I came that you may have life and have it more abundantly. And that's Zoe life. Not, spirit life. Yeah, not Zoe, human life. Spirit life. Right. Yeah. And the law of the Spirit is a higher, more abundant principle than the principle of sin and death. Therefore, the Spirit always carries the day. Except when it doesn't carry exactly. the day. Exactly. Exactly. What does that mean? <laughs> Was that a contradiction? <laughs> no, no, it wasn't. No, it wasn't. There's two points of views you have to see. There's an eternal point of view and a temporal point of view. From the eternal point of view, we see the old man of us as already dead. We see as died. We see the new man living and living the exemplary Christian life. 
that's the eternal point of view. Yes. You died. Already happened. You were buried. Already happened. Then you were raised from the dead. Already happened. Then you live an abundant life through the Spirit. Already happened and happens. But let's look at one example where it says, I think it's in Ephesians, you were taught, we'll check Paul's grammar out on here. You were taught in regard to your former way of life. Would that be past tense? Yes, that would be the former way of life because in the next couple words, he's going to actually say the ancient man. The ancient man, yes. You were taught in regard with your former way of life to lay aside the ancient man who is present tense being corrupted by his deceitful desires. Well, how is that not a contradiction? To Romans 6, 6, don't you know that the old man, the ancient man of us, was crucified and was buried? He's dead. He's dead. The the two don't contradict each other because the old man of us who was crucified is talking from God's eternal point of view. Ephesians 4.22 is telling us a temporal doctrine and it's looking at things from man's point of view because man's point of view, the old man of us is very much still active in plaguing us throughout the day constantly. Which is exactly what I just did when I said the spirit carries the day except when it doesn't. Except when it doesn't. Except when we're talking about in the realm of temporal times. And that's what I wanted to show you. There's this word if in the Greek is I-E and sometimes it can be translated if and you are like if then you be raised with Christ if and you are and some translations translated since then you've been raised with Christ set your mind on things above for you died and your life is hid with Christ in God don't set your mind on the earthly things because you died and your life is hid with Christ with God don't try and fix the old man he's already dead and you're not going to fix him anyway so it says in Romans 8 you are not in the flesh but in the spirit if there's that IE word and sometimes it's if and you're not like and sometimes if and you are like the Colossians one if then you've been raised with Christ this is not one of those since this is an if you are not in the flesh but if but in the spirit if and then it adds a word pair which is a contraction of the word parisma, which we get our word abundance. So the condition is you are not in the flesh. Now, eternally, we're not in the flesh, right? Exactly. He died. Exactly. But now we're talking from from a temporal point of view, the here and now, you are not in the flesh if I pair, if the spirit lives in you. In abundance. 
You're right. <laughs> yeah. I said it wrong. Yeah. I pair, perismo, in right. abundance. So Say that again, then. Make sure you were... You are not in the flesh, but in the spirit, I pair. If, perismo, if in abundance, the spirit is living in you. So if there's an abundance of the spirit... You you're mani- not in the flesh. You manifest the spirit. In time, you're manifesting the spirit. But what if I'm manifesting the flesh? Am I condemned again? No, because of the eternal point of view that I died. My flesh was crucified with him. It's a done deal. But we see the old man. But does God see the old man? That's a good question. Yes, he made a covenant with us where he would not see the old man anymore, nor would he remember Never. the old man. But in the realm of time... Uh, we can't good, deny that we see the old man raises yes, ugly yes, head. Yes. But here raises a good question because it says, you are not in the flesh, but in the spirit. If I pair... The Spirit's in abundance in you. It raises the question of, well, then how do you get in the Spirit? That's a great question. That's a great because the, the the next the next uh, sentence answers the question. You get an accountability partner. Yeah, yeah. And you commit to unshakable, unbreakables. No, you go to a seminar. And you go to a seminar. Yeah. Okay, we we tried those. I did not get the spirit in abundance by doing that. I did not either. I did not either. So how do you? How does this happen, Steve? Okay, that's the question. Yep, it's it's in the very next verse. It says, "For if you are living according to the human nature, you must die. But if by the Spirit, you are putting to death the deeds of the body you will live. You do it by the Holy Spirit. You don't do it. We do not grit our teeth and say, I'm, I'm going to die daily, and I'm going to whip this flesh, and I'm going to make it be dormant, and I'm going to live in the Spirit. It, it says, no, if by the Spirit you do it. You remember what Galatians 5 said? The flesh wars against the spirit and the spirit wars against the flesh because their two desires are in opposition to each other. Therefore, you don't always do what you want. And you can feel that battle constantly. I should. I shouldn't. I should. I shouldn't. I think I will. I I may not. Um, what, What should I do? You feel the flesh warring against the spirit. And when the spirit is in abundance... You shine. So it's always better to wait on the Spirit, and that's what the new covenant Christian life is about, dependency on the vine, dependency on, so you can bear fruit. So the Spirit wins that battle every time. That's what Paul meant when he said, who will rescue me from this body of death? Thanks be to God, God through Jesus Christ. Through his spirit within me, he separated me from the body of death. He killed the flesh in me and shined his spirit. 
That's why I thank him for it, because it's the spirit who does it for you. Duh, as always, as always. So our part, really the only word I can think of for our part is maybe get out of the way Mm. with our human effort. That's why it makes... Which would be another word for rest. Exactly. That's why Hebrews and the other passages in the Bible make such a big point out of make every effort to enter that rest, Hebrews 8. We've already discussed that we're not going to defeat the sin with our human effort. We're going to get a butt kicking is coming our way when we get in the ring and fight the sin guy and battle the desires of the flesh. Right. But if we put Jesus in the ring, we rest. And he wins. And he wins every time. Yes. So it's not a may or may not. It's a may or may not. You may put Jesus in the ring and you may try and fight this battle yourself. But if you try and fight this battle yourself, there's no may or may there's not There's no victory it. in it. That's what it means. Yeah. And if that you, part, uh, like when he says you don't belong to him or you're none of his, that's not what he sanctioned to fight the battle. He sanctioned the spirit to get in the ring. Well put. Well put. The battle belongs to the Lord. <laughs> it always has. Yes. And where it says, if you're in the flesh, you must die. But if by the spirit you're putting to death the deeds of the body is as a parallel thought with what Paul concludes this whole teaching about in Romans 12, 1, when he says, Brothers, I beseech you, by the mercies of God, present yourself as a living sacrifice, because you can't put to death the deeds of the body yourself. You have to rely on the mercies of God to do that for you. If by the Spirit you do it, it gets done, is what that verse is saying. So the if, if you do or if you don't, is not a cruel, like, maybe God will come to your rescue or maybe he won't. The if is on the source that you're using to battle sin. If you're battling sin in the abundance of your flesh and trying real hard, you're going to lose again. Again. But, if by the spirit you put to death the deeds of the flesh, you win every time. So the spirit is alive when it is in abundance. It manifests. That's the condition of the if. Yes. If it's in abundance. Yes. When it says, if you are in the flesh, you must die. There again, that die doesn't mean you drop dead and we get a casket for you. It means if you're in the flesh, you're going to feel naked and ashamed over and over and over again. The condemnation. The condemnation type of death. Which is the death, yeah. So the conditional clause is not God picking and choosing winners so much. He's... It's more of a how-to. It's a teaching. It's a teaching. You're learning. You're You're learning learning to depend on the Spirit. On the Spirit. When you get your butt kicked by the sin guy, you've learned something. Right. That guy's no match for the sin. Right. And this is a a how-to-do-it teaching, not a 
Calvinistic or anything like that. No, that, not God. Yeah, so. it's, it's nothing to do with that. It's, so le- lesson one, stay out of the ring. Yes. And stay in the rest. Make every effort to not get in the ring with the sin guy. Right. Make every effort to rest, to make every effort to see yourself seated in heavenly places and there's no better place to rest than a chair. Yeah, well said, well said. I think you were going to mention something about Colossians. Oh, so who fights the battle? Christ in us, the hope of glory. What is Christ in us, the hope of glory? It is the greatest mystery that was never revealed to anyone until Paul mentioned it in Colossians 1. He said the secret, the mystery that's hidden for long generations past, but now revealed to us, unveiled to us, which is Christ in us, the hope of glory. The Christ in us goes in the ring and kicks the butt of the sin guy every time. And what did it say about all those other ideas or gimmicks right before? First, he mentions those. He says, make sure no one takes you captive. And that word captive is not a word you want to be. I think it means to rob you. To stole, yeah. Stole your mind. Make sure no one steals you away. Yeah. With what? Empty, hollow philosophies that depend on their traditions of man, Adam, and the elementary principles of the world, they do have the, indeed have the appearance of wisdom. With the do not taste, do not not touch, touch, do not handle. It's got the appearance of wisdom. Bring all that in the ring. Yeah. And fight the sin guy. Right. It says don't. Don't do that. They have the appearance of wisdom, but they lack any value at all and restraining natural desires natural desire yes they won't work they They, don't they then he tells them the mystery that does work and then now you're ready for the mystery yes as long as you keep thinking you got a chance to fight sin you're really not ready for Christ in you the hope of glory no no A buck kicking is coming your way. One more time. (laughs) Don't. I'm laughing because it reminded me of, I think, our all-time most listened to podcast, One More Chance. Yeah, Another Chance. The Galatians 5.13 is for freedom that Christ has set you free. That's what we've been talking about here. Yes. Free of sin. For freedom that Christ has set you free, only do not your, use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh. And everyone's mind goes to don't the flesh as an opportunity for the flesh means going back to bars or sinning or doing everything. But what is an opportunity for the flesh? Getting in the ring again with the sin guy in your natural self. Don't use that opportunity to fight sin in your flesh. Yes, that's exactly right. It wasn't quit going to the bars. It was quit trying to live the Christian life 
through the flesh. It said, don't give it an opportunity for the flesh. Quit trying to live the Christian life through your human effort. That's why in Galatians, same letter, 3, 3, it said, are you so foolish? After beginning in the spirit, are you trying to attain the goal by the human nature? Well, it says you've been set free from, don't use your freedom to as an opportunity for the flesh. That's the, the same thing nature. it says in Colossians. Why do you submit yourselves to don't taste, don't touch? Why do you go to these elementary principles? Why do you go back to the um, things that have the appearance of wisdom, but they don't work? But they don't work. It's they the, don't work. It's the same thing he, he said earlier in Galatians when, when he says, don't you know that no one will be justified by works of the flesh under the law and then he said if i rebuild what i once destroyed i prove myself to be a sinner again meaning if i rebuild that law mentality i prove myself to fail again under the human performance treadmill that's why it says you've been set free don't use your freedom as another opportunity to try real hard in your own human effort not saying that it's saying use this as an opportunity to enter the rest enter the rest that's your effort enter that rest let the spirit do for you what you can't do for yourself that brings us back to the verse that you quote every podcast are you so go ahead foolish after beginning in the spirit are you trying to attain the goal by human effort Galatians 3 3. So if the Spirit, beginning with the Spirit, which when it's in abundance, meaning when you're relying on the Spirit, when you're relying on the Spirit, it's always in abundance. You will put to death the deeds of the flesh. Why? If you if you've learned to rely on the Spirit, would you go back to human effort? Why would you go back to elementary principles why would you go back to the unshakable unbreakables the accountability partners it's it's why there's no promise keeper movement anymore because they couldn't keep their promises they could not keep their promise you guys realize how big promise keepers got and it fell apart it imploded because nobody could keep the promise but a lot of good things came out of it. But defeating sin and living the exemplary Christian life that did not happen. Not by keeping promise, not by making promises promise. and keeping accountable. So that was built on the whole person's holding you accountable machine. Accountability is a legal term. That's true. That's true. The only time it's used, it says the law came to hold everyone accountable to sin. There's your accountability. So every mouth would be shut. Shut. No, go ahead. Oh, I was going to say, so we don't want you guys to have to shut your mouth in, in failure. We want you to... Praise the Lord in success, saying, it's not me, it's God in me doing this. Look how wonderful God is. That's what we want you to open your mouth and do at Guardians of Grace. It's what we're all about. 
preparing people so that they can store up treasures in heaven, storing up treasures in heaven by giving God the credit, by rightfully giving God the credit for what God has done through you. You've done the works of our hands. How many times in the Old Testament did it say that? You've done the works of our hands. With that said, do you want to close us in prayer? Yeah, sure. Father God, thank you so much for this like double podcast that we got to do. Allow your spirit to enlighten the eyes of all who listen to this podcast. Enlighten the ears. Let their eyes just have visual, mental pictures of what these scriptures are trying to picture. Father, allow the everybody to receive a spirit of wisdom and revelation anoint the podcast with your spirit of wisdom and revelation because without that nobody understands anything without that no one understands anything father it takes your spirit so put your spirit into this podcast really thick do your thing father anoint the podcast and Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Love you guys. Love you guys. Good night.